0: on Podcast Network.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Butter With That. My name is Sam, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Connor, Christine, and Dave. And this month, we are talking about love movies, and I've got a great one for you. But before we dive deep into it, I'd love to hear from my co-hosts. How you been? Watch anything cool lately?
0: I don't know if I've talked about this movie before on the podcast, but uh, this weekend, we had some friends over and watched Freaky Friday. Uh, starring Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan. Uh, That's a film that we watch about once a year or so. Still a classic. Uh, Every time I watch it, I feel like I pick up some new lines or a new moment. And uh, just a great reminder that Jamie Lee Curtis is a national treasure and should be protected at all costs. And then it really made me want to pick it sometime in the near future for Butterworth that. So, um, I don't know. I just love Freaky Friday. So many great moments. Could talk about it for a while, but Uh, Just wanted to share that I watched one of my favorite movies this weekend.
2: I also recently rewatched, well, I guess within the past year, I watched Freaky Friday and like, it took me back like that song. I was like, oh my God, all of Lindsay Lohan's outfits. So good. I have not been watching. Oh, I guess since the last time we recorded, maybe I already recorded on movies, but I've been watching a a bunch of shows. Most recently, it's just a British detective procedural called Slow Horses with Gary Oldman. And it just, you know, it scratches all the itches like uh, MI5 plot lines and mysteries and lots of running around and lots of little quippy, uh, yeah, British things. And uh, so, and a mystery. And so that's all I need right now. So that's what I'm watching.
3: I've been trying to, uh, in preparation for our upcoming awards episode, revisit some things. I think I've got an, a lot of 2022 movies under my belt at this point, and I really want to focus in and uh, make some judgment calls about what I think uh, deserves awards and deserves mention in that upcoming episode, so stay tuned on that front. But uh did revisit uh, Tar, the Todd Fields film, which... I uh, saw it in theaters and was really taken in by uh, watching it again. It's only kind of sweetened the deal. Very, very strong movie. One of my favorites of the year. And uh, you'll probably be hearing more about that in the coming weeks.
0: Do you remember when we said that we slipped up that it was directed by Todd Phillips of Joker and Hangover fame? Yes, I do remember.
2: Sometimes I still hot. want to see that movie. <laughs> Todd
0: Phillips direct star. <laughs> I think that's going to be Joker 2, the musical with Lady Gaga. I think we're getting it.
2: Oh, but that was our connection, though that the Hilda Hilder. I'm so sorry, I don't remember her full name, but the The cellist, Mm -hmm. the cellist who did both tar and Joker. Mm -hmm. Some somewhere there's a there's a mashup.
1: Dave, every time you mention the upcoming award show, I panic a little bit and remember that. (laughs) I have barely watched any 2022 movies and instead have just been rewatching all of my old favorites, including The Mummy, Dark Knight Rises, and. The movie that we're going to talk about to tonight, today, whenever you're listening, whatever, uh, which is 2017's Gifted, starring Chris Evans, Jenny Slate, McKenna Grace, Lindsay Duncan, and a few other folks. Oh, Octavia Spencer, uh, a few other folks as well. I have seen this movie quite a bit um, because, you know, Chris Evans, love of my life, isn't it? Um, but, folks, was it everybody's first time watching?
3: It was my my first watch. Yes,
1: first time. Yep. Oh, how sweet. Okay, so before I hear what y'all think about it, let me tell everybody what it is about. Goodness. So I'm stealing this from literal Google. Frank Adler is a single man raising a child uh, prodigy, his spirited young niece, Mary, in a coastal town in Florida. Frank's plans for a normal school life for Mary are foiled when the seven-year-old's mathematical abilities come to the attention of Frank's formidable mother, Evelyn, whose plans for her... Granddaughter threatened to separate Frank and Mary. Yes. So as the title suggests, it is about a gifted youngster who seems to be taking after her mother, who was also very talented in mathematics. Um, so I first saw this movie when it came out in 2017. Uh, I loved it. It's directed by Mark Webb, and I think that um, you know, Amazing Spider-Man one and two. Uh, tragic, but there was a time when I loved 500 Days of Summer, and uh, I I am of an age that I remember when Mark Webb was directing music videos, including some for Good Charlotte, The Used, and I was a big fan of his uh, creative mind back then, so it's, it's kind of fun to still see him um, later in my life as well. That's my take on it. What did everybody else think?
2: Um, Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think that for me, I don't think the movie would have worked if it hadn't been for an amazing chemistry between Chris Evans and McKenna Grace. I think watching them in scenes and uh, watching McKenna Grace, especially like. She's definitely doing the precocious young kid thing, but it feels much more natural watching her do it than I see in a lot of other movies. I tend to have like an issue with like precocious kid stories, but I think that their chemistry is wonderful. I think the movie has some very interesting story choices that like I have so many questions about, so I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, but it definitely like hits many of the inspiring movie beats uh, in some ways a little predictable and some ways, uh, uh, some unexpected uh, turns, but, um, but yeah, I, I think the best thing that I, that was really highlighted when I watched it was watching the two of them.
0: Yeah. I think I'd have to agree with Christina that for me, was also a highlight um, McKenna Grace. I mainly know from the new Sabrina show on Netflix. And so just seeing her as, just a little baby. Um, it's kind of wild that this is only 2017, like really not not that long ago. Um, overall, I think I liked it. Uh, it. This was reminding me, I think it was during our Sam, your Steel Magnolias episode that we were talking about melodrama and how that doesn't you know, have to be like a pejorative word. And so that conversation was coming back when watching Gifted. Uh, definitely some moments with a lot of drama, a lot of tears, high emotions, um, but overall, uh, I thought pretty effective in some moments. Some interesting story choices, as Christine r- brought up in other moments. Uh, and I think that this, watching it, I was like, "Oh, we're going to have a good discussion about some of the story points, you know, and characters." And uh, made me watching the movie made me excited to have this, you know, the next day to talk about it. So excited to dive deep.
3: Uh, I think this is a movie that, yeah, is very much carried by uh, Evans and Grace, whose uh, chemistry, Christine, as you suggested, is. Uh, very on point both of them stepping into these shoes very very well i'm very very interested sam to have a discussion with you about uh as i know you to be a studied and practicing educator about uh this film's presented attitude toward advanced placement which i think is in the bit of understanding that i have a little misguided and uh beyond that i think is also a movie that would have been a good deal stronger if there was a sense of directorial vision and stylistic a uh, more pronounced stylistic approach uh in any regard it felt, felt felt a little flat to me in in that sense but i i do think uh some of the performances really carry it uh specifically those two so uh, on the whole looking forward to discussing it
1: great i'm not really surprised to hear all of the the good the bad and the the beautiful and ugly i suppose um honestly I think this movie is pretty simple in in every way. And I think I picked it because it shows love in as many different forms in its positive its toxic forms and how people show it in different ways whether those are good or bad that's you know up for debate and discussion um so i, I wanted to talk about that like the different shapes of love is it unconditional and in, in all the relationships that we see um and then i do have the the controversial question of um so the movie really centers around frank chris evans Wants to, one, keep Mary, McKenna Grace, and two, send her to a regular public school, even though she's very clearly gifted in math. Um, everybody around her wants to put her in an uh, advanced school. Her mother um had um passed i guess like six years earlier um was Mm. also gifted in math um came close to solving one of the unanswered problems of all time and um the the grandmother evelyn uh, is really like a really really strong character and wants her to kind of like take after her mother step into those shoes that um uh, Diane, her mother, left. And the the controversial choice of keeping a kid who is clearly gifted, who is, uh, has a lot of potential. I mean, she's seven years old and she's doing uh, math that I can't even understand uh, at 31. So I'd be interested to hear uh, everyone's takes on like the, the love relationships and that controversial choice along with anything else. So what are you thinking?
2: I think centering uh, this film on the love between an uncle and his nephew was really effective. Um, You know, Frank is trying to fill in a parental role when his sister dies and So I think that the movie does a great job of showing his obvious love for his, her, for his niece, but also some of the sort of life sacrifices that he makes uh, as there's a key scene towards the end of the movie when uh, he's sleeping with her. Well, I guess his middle, middle, when he uh, sleeps with her kind of or her first grade teacher Marcel, the What's her name? Uh, Jenny slate. Yeah. Jenny slate. So he's sleeping with Marcel, the and then they have a rule where she's, so that's probably like his date night and early date morning where, uh, she's not like, what's her name? Oh my God. McKenna great. Mary. Uh, Mary's not supposed to go over in the morning. She's supposed to stay at the neighbor's house played by, um, who is it?
3: Octavia Spencer,
2: Octavia Spencer. Anyhow, Whatever they get in a fight when uh she goes over to find a DVD and she sees her teacher and she's like, oh shit. And then Frank realizes he, he fucked up. Uh, but also he he's letting uh Mary know that he has no privacy because he's always parenting her and that uh what he's given up is sort of a single guy single guy lifestyle where you can, you know, sleep with whoever. And so I think that was a really Compelling scene that sort of shows um, how he clearly cares for her, but also, uh, yeah, what he's missing from aspects of his life because he fills in that parental role for the past six years.
1: Yeah, something that I really love, and I think it's one of my favorite scenes, gets to the heart of untraditional family, and um, family can be those who you choose. So uh, the court case is going on between frank and evelyn and evelyn finds mary's birth father and he's there to be like yep i can't take care of the kid, so like i relinquish my rights to evelyn and then they prove that like he's never shown any interest in mary at all doesn't even know her middle name and frank tells mary that uh her father doesn't want to see her and she's devastated. She's crying. She's locked herself in the bathroom. And then, uh, Frank and Roberta Octavia Spencer, they are like trying to, to get into the room that she's locked herself in. And then Frank gets this great idea to show her, um, take her take them all three of them to the hospital kind of like in the the birthing area and mary gets to see how excited a family is once they hear about the birth of like their granddaughter their whoever whoever and he says like that's exactly what it was like when you were born like that is so beautiful i i cry every time i watch it (laughs)
2: It took me a second to figure out what they were doing in the hospital. And I know the movie does kind of a slow reveal about why they're there, but like, it was like, wait, what is going on? It was certainly emotional, but I sort of was laughing at the same time. Like, you are celebrating with your family about the birth of a child. And this girl comes up and starts screaming amongst you. This would be a hilarious situation, and so then she pulls Frank in to or, and then uh, Octavia Spencer is there, so it's basically the celebrating family, and then three strangers just come up and start like laughing and crying with you.
3: Yeah, this hospital voyeurism scenario is a little weird. It's it, it is affecting, but it's like, do they allow
1: that? I think that if so this is going to sound strange but i have been in a position where like you are you just happen to be another family that's also waiting for news and you do end up celebrating with each other because sure but they're a taking a trip
3: experience. to the hospital to watch this like they're not they're not being served by the hospital
1: do those families know that
3: uh, I would imagine the family celebrating no, because they're probably like, "Who are these people?" But I don't, I don't know.
1: No, well, but I again, don't know. Again, yeah. like if they're families that could potentially be waiting for news, it's just celebrations all around. I don't, I don't, I don't. I, don't I, I hear what you're you're saying. I don't think it's as devious as that.
3: I'm not. I'm not
0: saying it's devious. I'm saying it's odd. But but fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I think one, you know, when thinking about family relationships, I thought what was an interesting juxtaposition between Frank kind of making a family with his niece, uh, Mary, kind of contrasting that with his relationship with his mother, Evelyn, which is very icy, um, I guess, to say the least. And so I just I thought that was like an interesting juxtaposition of Frank offering so much unconditional love to Mary, and he's definitely not perfect. I'm not even sure if he is like an appropriate caregiver to this child. We can, you know, dig into that later. I don't know if that's controversial, but I just thought I really enjoyed kind of seeing Frank trying to do his best after living with this incredibly demanding mother um who his lawyer insinuates drove her own daughter to suicide. <laughs> uh so I thought I don't know. I just really kind of enjoyed kind of this really icy relationship compared with this really uh, affectionate relationship and interesting to see like this dynamic between a grandmother fighting for her granddaughter and uncle fighting. Yeah, you know, I thought that was just an interesting dynamic and one that we don't really see in a lot of movies. So I thought, um, I thought Evelyn was an interesting character who got more screen time than I thought. I, I kind of, I wasn't quite sure what to expect from her as the film went on, but we learned quite a bit about her and through Mary learn more and more kind of about her and her relationship with her grandfather and the cowboy step-grandfather. So I was kind of surprised at how much we learned about Evelyn um, and kind of her, you know, kind of the inner truth within her.
2: Yeah. She definitely felt very one note until you get some details about her, yeah, her relationships, but also specifically her relationship with her daughter. Uh, Cause she definitely felt like the very sort of controlling strident matriarch kind of character that I feel like she felt like the kind of Gilmore Girls grandma figure that feels very one note uh, but then I feel like towards the end of the movie you see her uh, especially once we recognize that the the neuro blah 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 smoothness theory actually was solved by uh, the mom before she died and then uh, it's the mo- grandmother's uh, basically confronting how, uh, she imposed all of her expectations onto her daughter. And, uh, now she has an opportunity to do the math and defend the the theory, uh, as she would have wanted to after her career was her mathematics career was stymied by having children or whatever. But yeah, so I was glad they gave her some more dimension towards the end of the movie. And she has a she has like a, a solo crying scene. And I think that's one of the only movies where we see or only scenes where we see her by herself. And so that yeah, that was an important moment to get some insight into her.
1: And I just love that the only moment that she's really ever checked is when he says, Diane wanted me to publish this post-mortem. And she's like, Well, it's been six years. And he's like, not her, you. And so to think that like, her daughter solved this and didn't want her to ever know like that is fucking something and i would be devastated as a parent if it ever came to that so like that is tough
0: and that's so fucking dark for this movie like i was shocked when that was a reveal because this movie i feel like fairly kind of skates across the surface a lot like you know a lot of people's emotions are kind of up front and so having this kind of secret Um, reveal i thought was like pretty dark for this movie and like surprising and i think revealed a lot about denise um and i think it's really tricky when movies are structured like this and the plot is like this of this huge character hanging over everybody who is dead for years um and so i think that offered a really interesting glimpse into denise's life because we only um we never hear from denise we see photos of her and we hear what frank says and hear what uh, Evelyn says about Denise but we never get to hear from Denise um, herself oh Diane that keeps saying oh I'm sorry in the chat Sam said Diane apologies and so I think or maybe that proves my point that I wish we just learned a little bit more about Diane that she is this kind of Damoclean sword hanging over everybody and this trauma that this family suffered with uh, this young woman killing herself and leaving her child you know with her brother And so I thought that was a really dark moment and it just got me thinking that I wonder if this movie needed a few more like family secrets or just made me think like I wish that there was a little more depth like this in a few different places. I don't know if other folks feel similar, but I was like, oh, this is like a really interesting moment. I kind of wish there were a few more of these family drama dynamics throughout the film, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it totally does. And honestly, Connor, it brings me back to another comment you had where you said you didn't know if Frank was the right person to have custody over Mary because something that happens in this court case is that neither of them actually get full custody of Mary and instead she goes to a foster family. I you know, I'm going to go back to school eventually to get my um MSW, so Masters in Social Work. I Don't know how common it is to take a child out of a home that like, you know, the kid clearly is being provided for, is going to school regularly, has some outbursts, but you know, given everything that's happened in their family, like doing the best that they can clearly like a loving adult, multiple loving adults in the family, how often that they get taken away. I'm not exactly sure. So I was wondering what you all thought about that result.
3: I think for a movie that allows a lot of its runtime to turn into a courtroom drama, a lot of this court case is strange. Um, I mean, obviously, as we've touched on, there's pretty extenuating circumstances. But, you know, for my money, with my... Even like, you know, relative understanding of the court system and the justice system and these kind of like, you know, um, uh, trials for uh, for custody and things like that. If the mother has passed and there is no established power of attorney or like legal guardianship and you take a child across state lines uh, without that uh, express written authority, I'm pretty sure that would qualify as kidnapping, which I think makes this a pretty cut and dry court case. (laughs) but it it sort of explores it more from an emotional level for the the device and for the sake of the story but yeah i don't know it's it's strange and there's also the outburst from um from um Frank's uh, lawyer that's defense attorney who uh, confronts Diane saying your son's a failure in life your daughter took her own life you're zero for two and i'm like okay this this prosecuting attorney and judge are asleep at the switch this is preposterous courtroom decorum but you know it's it's heightened and it's it's tailored to this this kind of unique situation. So I, I guess I don't want to be too critical of it, but it's interesting that it hands so much time over to turning this into a courtroom drama for custody. Which within the context of a custody case, as I understand it, would be relatively cut and dry.
0: When kind of thinking, Dave, I'm glad you're. You know, we're kind of getting into the legal aspects of this movie. Um, has anybody else seen a movie The uh, Room with Brie Larson? Came out in like 2016. Is it okay if I give like of the lightest of spoilers? Okay. So at about 60% through the movie, she escapes and they capture the guy who kidnapped her and kept her locked up in the room, raped her, impregnated her, has a child. The back half of the movie follows the boy's perspective. This child who's only known room. That's all he knows. He's maybe probably about Mary's age, six, seven, eight, nine, um, elementary school age. And there is this. You know, court case, criminal case with a man who kidnapped Brie Larson's character. But we kind of see it all through the boy's perspective of trying to live with his grandparents now. There's no big courtroom drama scene. And so I just I kind of wish we got a little bit more of Mary throughout these kind of moments. Like I thought that is kind of I wanted to see this through her lens and not through uh, speeches given at the witness stand. I guess I was just missing a little bit of Mary in these moments and her agency of like, well, what does she want out of this cuz we have the scene with her and the therapist uh but i just kind of wanted i wish we just focused kind of more on mary i feel like the back half of the movie loses mary and it doesn't feel like a uh, intentional like it doesn't feel like you know that was done on purpose just like well we've got this courtroom stuff to follow up on but well, i kind of wish we stuck with mary more cuz we're with her for a lot of the first half of the movie and i feel like there's significant chunks of the back half where we kind of lose touch with mary and what she's thinking and you know kind of feeling about what's happening and her thought processes.
2: Well, she does at some point during the court case clearly state, I do not want to live with Evelyn. I want to live with Frank. And I think as far as having less scenes with Mary towards the end, especially when she goes to live with the foster family, I saw that as a very intentional departure from her only because we're, we're getting a sense that Frank has no idea how she's acclimating to this new family. And so we're sort of, as an audience in Frank's mind. And it's an. I think it's an effective story technique for Frank to go up to the foster uh, family's door with a present being like, I'd love to see Mary. And then the foster father coming out and being like, she said explicitly, she does not want to see you. You betrayed her trust. And so it that's, you know, raises some big questions. Is the foster father lying? Does Mary really not want to see Frank? Like, what's going on here? And then the big reveal, obviously, that Evelyn has, like, a baby genius workshop going on in the foster family's garage or whatever, which was, like, oh, my God, I'll save it for when we get to that scene. But the two mathematicians, like, uh, right sitting beside Evelyn as they have, like, these beautiful mind chalkboards behind them. Anyhow, but I do, I will say to, to respond to Connor, I think we do get... Mary's opinion about the court case and then I think there is a storytelling technique to limit the audience's understanding of how Mary's really responding this to this so that we have the big reveal uh with Evelyn at the foster family
1: yeah honestly I feel like we can spend so much time talking about all of these individual relationships but one thing I did want to address is the education aspect of it all so Mary, a gifted girl going to public school, should she be in an advanced placement school? Was Frank making the right decision of keeping her just in regular public education? And what about Bonnie's teaching methods? Um, What do we think of all that? So I guess to the group, how did you feel about Frank's initial... Nope, I'm going to keep her in public school because she needs to be with kids her own age. She needs to have, like that fundamental foundation.
0: I feel like this movie needed some kind of revelation that him and his sister were like horribly scarred by some kind of like advanced school. Like I just feel like that there was some like I, I understand his intention to like, well, bad things happened to my sister because she was, quote, unquote, gifted. So I, I want Mary to be well adjusted. I want her to understand what it's like to play, to do sports, to go to summer camps. Was he achieving that by homeschooling her? and how what was his homeschooling like? We don't really know. We see like used calculus textbooks and some other kind of just books laid around the apartment. So I, I am kind of concerned and confused by Frank's schooling choices. Like I just I feel like we just there was a detail missing about his past or um, his sister's past that. Maybe would have like better informed an audience about his choices. I-, I get it. He wants, you know, wants Mary to be a well-adjusted kid and just be a kid and not have to worry about meeting Evelyn's expectations of solving the most complex equation in math history. It's a lot of expectations to put on a six-year-old. So I get that. But uh, I feel like he should have just sent her to Oaks.
2: Well, at first, yeah. Um I mean, but the the movie addresses the fact that this gifted school is really expensive, although Evelyn clearly has a shit ton of money. When the Oak School was first brought up, I don't think Evelyn was introduced as a character. So we didn't know, like, and Frank said, you know, it's $30,000 or $300,000, you know, over however many years of paying for that education. But at first, I thought the movie, way in the beginning, when there was uh, Frank, was sort of like, begrudgingly sending her to public school. I thought this was like a, like an anti, you know, public school, anti-government movie. And I was like, oh God, is this going to be like the like father who's like the best education is at home with the homeschooling and things like that. And I was like, this could get uh, really complicated. But I think the movie does a compelling job of showing the benefits of just being maybe socially at the public school that she's at. And then by the end, you see her, she splits her time between doing like advanced mathematics at that looked like a, maybe a local college or something, not at the, like the Oaks gifted school. And then just going to her regular public school. And um, and, that, and she's doing Girl Scout. Like I, I thought that, I don't know, that seemed like a, like a happy medium. But certainly once Evelyn was in the picture and it was like, okay, there is money to pay for, or I guess she would be going on a scholarship as well as what's addressed in the. That's
3: the the thing is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right.
2: That's totally right. Yeah. The principal was like, Oh yeah. She'd get a full scholarship anyways. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I was just glad that it didn't go the route of like school is bad, (laughs) which I feel like the movie sort of started with, uh, like in, the first initial setup when Mary first goes to school. But it's definitely not about that.
3: Uh, I do think it is to a degree about that, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, okay, uh,
2: do tell, do tell, okay.
3: I mean, I think that, you know, Frank is is positioned to us as a very intelligent person and someone who has struggled with, as as uh, is illustrated that his sister did. Like, uh, Connor, you uh, suggested earlier that like we should have more depth into advanced placement in a sense uh uh, allowed them to advance in their fields, but uh, they struggled with, like, socialization and, and those kind of issues. And I think that Frank, uh, for a char- for a character that is painted as a pretty infall- morally infallible protagonist, does have a bit of reticence about allowing a gifted child access to a gifted program, which, again, is not a financial concern. It's It's suggested that there could be a full-ride scholarship in the mix. His big apprehension is that, like, If she like he even says, like if she if she goes to one of these places, she's just going to become a congressperson like this idea that like you become a detached reflection of institution, the institution of higher learning because of maladaptive uh, social development within that setting. Uh, And this, Sam, is what I really wanted to talk to you about uh, as far as education, because I know you to be an educator and I'm not. But one of the things that I found, and a really interesting article, was something called um, Social Development of the Gifted by Linda Kruger-Silverman, who is a PhD of the Gifted Development Center, um, who writes uh, in that article, It's generally assumed that unless the gifted are grouped with students of diverse abilities, they will, quote, never learn to get along with others. Therefore, all provisions for gifted students ability grouping, acceleration, pull-out programs, full-day programs, special schools, homeschooling, are held suspect on the grounds that they will, quote, severely interfere with social development. Contrary to popular beliefs, and this, again, is all of the article, uh, an immense amount of research has accumulated over the last century indicating that gifted children tend to enjoy greater popularity, greater social competence, more mature social relations, earlier psychological maturity, and fewer indications of psychological problems than their less gifted peers. All of this research was conducted with students uh, involved with special provisions, such as accelerated or special classes. Clearly, socialization does not suffer when special provisions are made for these students' learning needs. There is no evidence that regular classroom placement enhances socialization of gifted students to a greater degree than grouping them for instruction with others of similar abilities, levels of mastery, and readiness to learn advanced content. Um, And I think that this movie does, because Frank is sort of presented as our... A kind of moral tentpole for this movie. Out of his justified concern for his uh, the niece that he's in custody of, or is the, um, the guardian of, that his attitude is not that it's a financial problem, not that they have limited means, but that if she goes to an advanced school, it will stunt her social development, which is, as far as the research I've been able to find, and after looking at several articles, statistically untrue.
2: But I think that research also just focuses on the impact on the gifted student. It
3: doesn't address. It does. It does? You're right. And that's why I brought up another article, which I thought would contradict (laughs) it, which has a contradictory title, uh, or at least so I thought, many gifted children have a difficult time making friends. uh, An article by Carolyn McGuire of S-E-N-G, supporting emotional needs of the gifted, which notes, quote, Uh, gifted children may run into social uh, emotional difficulties out of boredom and non-challenging curriculum. They are likely to spend up to one half of their classroom time waiting for other students to catch up. These children often respond to this downtime by disrupting others in an effort to self-amuse. And when a child may be ahead of their peers in one dimension, that does not mean social emotional skills come easily to them. So it's two, two contradictory article titles that essentially come to the same conclusion that an advanced learning environment does not stunt Social development in the way that Frank perceives it, too.
2: Well, what I was going to suggest is that I would be interested in reading studies about the impact or I guess classroom community uh, and the relationships between gifted students and quote unquote non gifted students. You know, I I think there's a there's a whole other discussion uh, in. How we define gifted and uh, especially varying like learning styles and talents. But I would be interested in seeing a study that really explores the relationship between or among students and say these this research suggests that gifted students don't necessarily benefit from those classes, but possibly, uh, other students benefit from being exposed to a lot of different learners uh, and potentially gifted people in their classes. I don't know. I feel like this is like going into a whole other thing, but it is interesting to think about uh, what re- research says, what this movie is suggesting well i think one of the things
3: that gets dicey for me is in in that telegraphing that message which i think this movie does a little bit uh, up until the end which like you know in the end he does understand that like she can be in social or not uh, she can experience like social dynamics within a non-educational curriculum such as girl scouts like community-based programs that are age-appropriate and and socializing that foster social development while still fostering uh, an educational background within advanced placement. My problem with it is that the if, if you were to invert that kind of thesis and consider what the inverse of that line of thinking implies, then it, it also suggests that students with special needs should be expected to struggle through non-specialized gen ed courses, not because of the educational standards or content, but because it's better for their social development, which is objectively false.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot in there, especially thinking...
3: Yeah, And this movie isn't saying the latter, (laughs) but by implying the former, it does introduce the idea that education is a priority. One of the focal priorities of it is social development, which if it undermines the rate and development at which a child is ready to learn, then of what value is the actual, you know, the actual institutional influence of education, which I think is odd. I don't know, Sam, how you feel about that as an educator or what your experience is with like these kind of studies and stuff, but yeah, it it smacks of a weird, a weird tone to me that I wasn't fond of in that regard.
1: Yeah. I have a lot to say about this and a lot of feelings. He gets it wrong. Kids who are not being challenged in their classrooms will act out, will stop paying attention and will check out. And that that's proven time and time again. I was bored all the time in my classes. And I not that I misbehave completely, but like I never paid attention. And um I would like goof off with my friends because it was boring. Is that a problem with the teacher or the school system in general? I think that the way the school system operates right now is not conducive to any type of learning style i think it like it just fundamentally gets it wrong so he's wrong but everybody's wrong you know so like i i don't personally believe that like they should have gifted only schools but also to 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 the argument of like socialization but if it's a gifted school then she would be with people presumably of her age as well so like it's a school full of other children that she mm-hmm. would socialize with he just didn't want her socializing with those types of people. And that's fucked up because that's judging children by their parents, judging them by their school. That And that's like a whole different kind of thing. So like that is personally how I feel. I think that like when we start creating these like specialized schools where it costs an arm and a leg to go to, what starts happening is that the the free programs, the public schools start to suffer. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and like, that is a significant problem, particularly with like charter schools that are popping up. So like, it is, it is bad. It's not good. However, seeing her in a college class, like at a, whatever, at a local university, that's good. I mean, she's being challenged, right? She's learning the things that she wants. However, like, as someone who cares about children, like, I'd be kind of concerned, not for her. I mean, like, not what she's learning about but the other people around her she's six years old or seven Mm -hmm. years old and uh, she's with people who are in their 20s that scares me a little bit so like i'd like to see what types of um, things that they've installed to make sure that she's protected but having advanced curriculum while still creating like the social community going to like girl scouts brownies that's exactly right like that that that's what it should be so eventually he gets it right i think with the caveat of like it's a broken system and like also protect that girl
0: i th- i thought the movie was going to lead us toward a, a revelation about it's not the school, but the parenting, or something about Frank channeling his anger at the school system. Christine, maybe the government, uh, through yeah, you know, as like a proxy for his relationship with his mother and the angst that was created there and her expectations. But I never really quite felt like the movie stuck the landing with kind of Frank's emotional resolution about his issues with his mother, reflected in how he's raising Mary. Like, I just felt like there was a little bit of intrigue and interest that I had. Uh, that I thought the movie was going to kind of unravel that doesn't really happen. And I'm not quite sure exactly how Frank arrives at the decision to reverse it. I know Fred the cat plays like a big part in it. Uh, And and shout out to um, the foster dad played by Joe Crest, who is Mr. Wheeler on Stranger Things. I low-key love him. (laughs) <laughs> um and stranger things and of course he's the foster dad and gifted and so i just felt like there was there was meat on the bone plot wise and thematic you know thematic meat to chew on that the movie just kind of leaves on on the table which i was like a little disappointed and happy with frank's decision but i i thought we were going to get some he was going to come to some inner revelation uh that's where i thought the movie was guiding us which i don't quite think happened
3: it's not really on screen as far as, and I was trying, I was racking my brain like all day the past couple of days. I had to rent this one. Uh, So I was only able to watch it the one time and did want to watch it again because I was like, wait, when does the shift happen in his perspective on this, on this, that provides us the, the more healthy and resolute ending?
2: Well, I think that the, the shift is he realizes that he wants to have custody of Mary. He wants that life back and that I think the concession to Evelyn was putting her in some sort of advanced class. Now, that he didn't want to send her to the Oak School, but another option was, you know, maybe a couple times a week she goes and does a math class, uh, advanced math class at the college. So I think that was the compromise. Uh and I think I I thought the movie kind of set that up decently. I, I don't think I had any issues with that ending.
0: Well, and there's a moment about compromise with the courtroom decision with her with him and Evelyn. But I just kind of felt like Chris Evans that Frank he wants Mary. And then that's kind of it. like he wants this. He doesn't want to give her up. He does truly love her. Like that, of course, comes through. But does he just give the the Thesis the proof to his mother, uh, going against his sister's wishes, explicit wishes, just to selfishly be with Mary and not to have this. I, I don't know. I just that was the wrong way to phrase it. To but have, that was
2: a power play. That was a power play to Evelyn to show her that proof and be like, you know, as we talked about before, she didn't want you to see this. She was waiting till you died uh, to uh, to have this ever see the light of day. And I think that. Frank recognizes that Evelyn is a mathematician and who had sort of a diverted path. Now, you know, the whole like a woman, because she had children, her like life is over. (laughs) She can't do math. You know, I think the movie interestingly sort of (laughs) dives deep into that one. But, you know, I feel like in a, it, it was a believable situation. And that Evelyn could like, basically pick back up her initial maybe math favor and be the one to prove it with the other professor. And, and I think it was the idea of like, and once again, I feel like this is a little bit of tired trope, the mother like living vicariously through her child, although there's some probably truth to it universally. But I think that Frank gives Evelyn an opportunity to recognize how she was a controlling parent And saying, all right, here's your chance to do something yourself so that you didn't and so that you don't constantly have to find fulfillment through other people and in your controlling tendencies. So that's why I thought Frank was giving against Diane's wishes, giving Evelyn the opportunity to see the proof while she's still alive, which I thought was a smart play, you know, gives Evelyn a project,
0: you know. But when it comes to the well-being of children, should the adults play off of each other to get what they want?
2: I don't know if they should, but it, that seemed realistic. You know, that seems yeah, yeah. I mean, not, not many. There's some things in this movie that definitely not realistic. But I, I didn't have any issue. I think Frank is in many ways as controlling as Evelyn, and I think maybe the movie, if the movie wanted to have a little bit more bite, it could have gone into that a little bit more. I also just read, have you, have you guys read Educated by Tara Westover? It's about a woman who grows up in a fundamentalist Mormon family, and she has a controlling dad who refuses to let them go to school, get medical care, anything. And it's a memoir for recognizing the extreme controlling behavior of her father who was basically trying to fulfill this own sort of ideological dream, but taking it out on his family and, and especially being like nothing that you learn in school you'll ever need for your life. Everything you need to learn, you learn from your family. And Frank is not the father in this memoir educated, but I think there is a lot there as far as like the controlling adult elements and how that impact that plays on kids, uh, especially when it comes to what is an education, what, are the basics that a child needs to learn, and what environments enable that development to happen?
3: It's pretty layered, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I I also want to say like special shout out to all of our teacher friends, um, particularly those who are working in public schools. I know that people are retiring from the field um, after just a couple years because of how challenging it is between students and parents, and administration. So um, I see you. I know how hard it is. And um, I really disagree with what that principal said in this movie where she said, like, there's no teacher, there's no curriculum that your daughter could keep up with at this school. Like, we would just hold her back. Uh, That was really shitty to say. And it's just not true. However, I I will also say that the way that Bonnie handles... Uh, Mary's outbursts. um, Don't do that. That is an example of what not to do when a student is acting like that. So that's it. That's the last thing I'll say.
2: I do wish we had a little bit more from Bonnie because bless Bonnie. (laughs) It's like not really uh, modeling the best teacher techniques, but you do see, it's like, I feel like I recognize like, Bonnie, you know, has probably been teaching first grade for many years. And like, it felt like at the beginning of the movie, she was like in her, I'm do, I'm going through the motions, you know, and many educators have felt that being like, I'm, I'm just like doing my thing. And then something unique sort of snaps her out of like this, like going through the motions, you don't speak unless you're spoken to, type of teacherly presence. And she, rec- I, sh- I think there's a wonderful moment of recognition where she sees what Mary is doing and why she's uh, acting out and talking out of turn. Uh, and then she, you know, in her own way, gives her some little bit more advanced material. Uh, maybe not, you know, as advanced obviously as what Mary needs. Uh, but I thought. The movie, if that would have been really interesting to see more about, sort of how Bonnie thinks about this situation in relation to her own growth as a teacher. But maybe that's that's Bonnie's story. Bonnie colon gifted the teacher colon the sequel.
0: That's, yeah, Paramount, <laughs> that's, the, that's the Paramount Plus special. Yes, uh, I want
2: I want more from Bonnie. Um, yeah, I.
0: She does kind I, of fade I, into the background in the back half of the movie.
2: Yeah, I like Jenny Slade and I, I think there was glimmers of dimension to that character, but yeah, you're right. She sort of fell to the wayside.
1: <laughs> Her persistent presence didn't really make any sense, only to provide like a romantic relationship for Frank. Um, mm-hmm. I hate when stuff like that is like shoehorned in there because it's not like she became a confidant for. Mary. it's not like they actually built a relationship i mean christine you mentioned that they do have that moment of understanding where she finally has something that like mary takes her a little bit longer and mary sees that like hey she's trying to get to know me but like the public shame that uh bonnie does to mary in the very beginning like that's fucked um like just don't ever do that like even if it, kid listen kids are sh- like shit bricks and i know that they are sometimes i know but don't make things worse like bonnie's an adult that kid is seven years old don't be a seven-year-old in that moment
3: yeah and also they don't speak unless you're spoken to classroom environment i've been through that kind of education and uh the socratic method is a good deal more effective
0: bonnie did lead uh, to my favorite joke of the whole movie, uh, when she comes out of the bathroom, she has the, you know, she, her and Frank spent the night together. Bonnie has the uh, sheet around her. Uh, we talked about the scene at the very beginning of the episode where Mary kind of, you know, takes Roberta's keys, comes into the house, look for a DVD. Uh, bon, you know, they kind of scare each other, and then mckenna grace has such a good stare and goes good morning mrs stevenson (laughs) like yeah there's a joke that she was you know mocking the kids earlier in the movie and that and and, that the editing of that and the performance of that from a a little kid that was just that was perfect i i died laughing of just the timing of it and and her uh just mocking performance of that was amazing she's really great
2: That was an excellent, yeah, uh, callback. What I was surprised that the movie didn't utilize, I thought the, oh, your teacher slept with your uncle. I thought that was going to be like the defining courtroom moment. And I was like, that was just like lying there for you. Why did the movie not use that? I mean, maybe it was too expected, but I was like, okay, yes, that's not you know, it's not like it would be more uh, I, I guess Bonnie's jeopardizing her job, but maybe it wouldn't jeopardize Frank's custody case. But something me makes me feel it would it would have. Anyhow, I don't know. I was surprised that the movie didn't return to that. Should have been deposed. <laughs> I mean, the heart wants what the heart wants, but I thought that movie was going to make make Frank pay for that.
1: i mean what heart doesn't want chris evans like i i dare you to find somebody so like i get it but once again it's just like shoehorning in there i do want to give a special shout out also to fred chili and then what was the other cat's name
2: i it swept by so all i saw was chili but i was like they are not going to introduce three cats that are about to be euthanized, and Frank only grab Fred. I was like, no, 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 no! And no. I saw him grab all three, I was like, oh my
1: god! <laughs> yeah, he's actually Captain America in more than just the Marvel films. Um, also, that uh, shelter is where Chris got his dog Dodger from. Uh, and there's it's, it's a very sweet story. There's a video online where you can see him meeting Dodger for the first time. Like just, I like weep. So um, clearly, like a life changing moment and movie for Chris Evans.
2: Wait, did Chris Evans, Chris Evans, and Jenny Slate get together after this movie? Ooh, okay.
3: It's kind of an off and on thing for a little bit. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. So any last words about gifted before we hang it up? Yeah. I just have
2: one last note. And I, when Bonnie calls Fred to warn him that Fred, no, when Bonnie calls Frank to warn him that Fred has been adopted, and Fred or Frank picks up not a smartphone, but a basically a Nokia phone. And I was like, oh my God, is this a cellular? Pl- product place or like movie placement. I, like watching Chris Evans pick up that basically Nokia phone just got to me. I was like, please, all I want to do is just follow this up with cellular. I feel like Mark Webb had to know what he was doing there. So
3: this movie is like, hey, I remember that movie from like 11 years ago. <laughs> oh
2: my God. Oh my God. Or what if it's the same universe?
1: <laughs> this <is> the EU. <laughs> Oh. oh, thanks for bringing us back, Christine. Uh, okay, anything else?
3: Uh, I would co- quickly add that, yeah, I as I said, I think this movie could have benefited from a director with a, a more established style or a more uh, um, a, a more image system informed eye or something like that. I think you could kind of swap, and and you know, I, I I know we talked about Webb at the beginning, and like it sounds, yeah, an interesting career. I do I do think you could have swapped. Most directors in and out and probably have gotten something on par, if not better. But at the same time, one scene that did really stand out and was really um, visually affecting is him at the beach. They're discussing um, basically discussing God, the afterlife and and all of that. And it's just sort of the the two of them, Evans and Grace silhouetted as she's sort of like climbing him like a jungle gym. Uh, and they're having this really interesting and funny conversation and it's just really, uh, a a really nice punctuative moment, uh, that I wish I saw a little bit more of throughout this movie, but it is a moment that really stood with me.
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. Thanks Dave for bringing that up because, um, that I think is also a great nod to the chemistry that those two had too. cause she, she really is just crawling all over him
3: (laughs) And it really, a really informed way of uh, talking to a child about high concept stuff, saying that like, you know, she asks like, well, is Jesus God then? And he says, well, well, I have my opinion, but uh, I don't want to influence yours. You'll have to look into this on your own, which is, you know, uh, perhaps a a note of instruction that more parents should take.
1: (laughs) Definitely. So that was gifted, folks. I would check it out. And if you do, let us know what you think you can reach out to us at butter with that on Instagram, butter with that one on Twitter and butter with that podcast at gmail.com. Um, I cannot end this without mentioning what Christine just put into the chat. I'm so sorry. Uh, Christine says, did he only Mark Webb? Did he only get to direct Spider-Man because his name is Webb. So uh,
2: <laughs> thanks for
1: that. Christine.
2: <laughs> I mean, he got to direct not one, but two, right? Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Wow. It's
3: like Francis Ford Coppola called, but this guy's name's Webb. Oh, God. It's in his
2: DNA.
1: And on that note, have a good whatever.
3: This has been